Life Audio. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? Or have you been in a season where it feels like He's completely silent? Have you been praying for a way to learn how to hear His voice more clearly? Hey friends, I'm Rachel, host of the Hearing Jesus Podcast. If you are ready to grow in your faith and to confidently step into your identity in Christ, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today, we're continuing our devotional study through the book of Matthew with the second half of chapter four. Today, I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible, starting at verse 12. Now, when Jesus heard that John had been taken into custody, he withdrew into Galilee and leaving Nazareth, he came and settled in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. This happened so that what was spoken through Isaiah, the prophet would be fulfilled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea on the other side of the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light and those who were sitting in the land and shadow of death upon them, a light dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, as Jesus was walking by the sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter and his brother, Andrew, casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two brothers, James, the son of Zebedee and his brother, John, in the boat with their father, Zebedee, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus was going about in all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every sickness among the people. And the news about him spread throughout Syria, and they brought him to all who were ill, those suffering with various diseases and severe pain, demon-possessed, people with epilepsy, and people who were paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis, and Jerusalem and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. You know, I think for many of us, this is a familiar scene from Scripture, this idea of the disciples being called and being fishers of men. And I think sometimes when we read things quickly, we miss some of the things that the original readers would have understood. Now, if you're just joining us, I would encourage you to go back to and listen to the previous couple of episodes where we start talking about what the time frame entailed and the original audience and how they would have heard Matthew's gospel as a Jewish audience. Now, we're picking up where we left off from yesterday's episode. And yesterday we were talking about John the Baptist and the baptism of Jesus. At this point, John the Baptist has been imprisoned by Herod Antipas. And if you remember when we talked about Herod last week, he was the son of the Herod that wanted to kill Jesus as a baby. And the reason why he imprisoned him, well, there was a number of reasons, but the main reason was because he feared John's popularity and thought it might lead to problems for him. So at this point, Jesus decided to go down to Capernaum, and that really became his base of ministry when he was in the region of Galilee. It's now the modern day area of Telhum, and it's on the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee. It was somewhat of a frontier town, very small, maybe about a thousand people, but it was a busy fishing town. There was a transportation center there where people could cross the Sea of Galilee. And it's one of three cities that's referred to as the Evangelical Triangle, and that together with Chorazin and Bethsaida 
it was known that for that because it was the place where most of the miracles of Jesus took place. I want to point out a couple things just to make sure you have a good understanding of this location and this region. In verse 15, it talks about the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali and the way to the sea along the Jordan. This is an important detail. We know that Zebulun and Naphtali were two of the tribes of Israel that settled in the northern region near the Sea of Galilee. But also there was a train route that ran through this area through to the Mediterranean Sea called the Via Maris, which is the way to the sea with the scripture references. And that's important because this region was strategic. Even though it was a town of a thousand people, this area was the way that Jesus would minister and get past the region because of the influence he would have over those that were traveling through the region. Capernaum was small, but the region of Galilee was very, very populated. About 200 or more towns and villages were in this area at that time, and it covered 45 miles north to south and 25 miles east to west. Conservatively, scholars believe there would have been at least 300,000 people living there at the time that Jesus was there. When we jump down to verses 19 and 20, it talks about this lesson that we probably all remember from Sunday school, fishing for people. And yes, fishing was a cultural thing. This was a very bustling fishing village, but this was also prophetic. Think about this for a minute. This is the very beginning of Jesus's public ministry. He may have been preaching a little bit before this, but he wasn't well known. He had just gotten to this area. What would have compelled these men to just drop everything to go with someone that they didn't know? They would have been living and fishing in this region their entire lives, most likely. What would cause them to just drop their livelihoods and their families and just follow Jesus? Were they reckless? I used to just think it was because Jesus had this presence and this peace about him and something in their spirit recognized him. But there actually really was a compelling reason that they decided to follow Jesus. In the Old Testament, the prophet Jeremiah said in chapter 16, verses 14 through 16, I'm going to read them for you. He said, however, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when it will no longer be said as surely as the Lord lives, who brought the Israelites up out of Egypt, but it will be said as surely as the Lord lives, who brought the Israelites up out of the land of the north and out of all the countries where he had banished them. For I will restore them to the land I gave their ancestors. But now I will send for many fishermen, declares the Lord, and they will catch them. See, the Old Testament prophet Jeremiah was speaking about this time when God would bring back all these Jewish captives that had been scattered all over the earth. And that would be both a day of judgment and a day of restoration. So you have to remember that the Old Testament prophets were laying the foundation for the Jewish people to recognize the Messiah when he came. The first century Jews knew this. So when they saw Jesus talking about becoming fishers of men, they recognized it as this messianic verbiage and that It was a way that Jesus, from the very onset of his relationship with them, he showed himself to them as the Messiah. And the disciples didn't just see some rabbi calling him. They saw the Messiah that they had been waiting for. Remember, they had been living for generations in expectation of this Messiah. Some other words in verse 19 I want to make sure we get is those words, follow me. And this principle of the rabbi-disciple model It was really well established as a cultural structure in this time frame when Jesus was on the scene. And it was similar to the Greek tutor student model that you may remember from your history classes. But the word to follow literally meant to go behind. 
And so the normal pattern in Israel was that a prospective disciple would approach a rabbi that they wanted to learn from, and they would ask the rabbi to study from him. The disciples would leave their families and their homes to follow their rabbi, sometimes going to different locations. We see that in the Apostle Paul when he followed Gamaliel. The disciple would not just follow the rabbi, but they would become this living example, the embodiment of the wisdom that the rabbi taught. In 1 John 2, 6, later, we'll talk about that in the later New Testament, but it says whoever claims to live in Jesus must live as Jesus did. Rabbis typically would have a lot of disciples. Rabbi Avika, who lived shortly after Jesus did, was said to have over 24,000 disciples. But see, Jesus did the opposite. He reversed the model. He picked his disciples instead of the disciples picking him because he is the one who seeks us out and asks us to follow him. So these guys were literally fishermen when Jesus called them to be fishers of men. Fun fact, they recently discovered a first century fishing boat in the Sea of Galilee. I'll put that picture up on our Patreon page if you would like more information, photos of that. But I'm such an archaeology nerd when it comes to things like that. I just found it fascinating. Maybe you will too. I want to jump down to verse 23. It says, Jesus was going about in all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every sickness among the people. There's three things that we see Jesus doing at the onset of his public ministry. We see him teaching. Now that word for teaching, didaskon, it means explaining the truth to those that who are already familiar with the content. He was essentially explaining God's word. He was clarifying the Old Testament and explaining that he was the Messiah that they had been waiting for. The second thing that he was doing was preaching or proclaiming the gospel. And that word kerosene, it's proclaiming the message to people that are unfamiliar with the content. So to the Gentiles or the people that are coming through that area who were not even familiar with the Torah, Jesus is boldly proclaiming the gospel message, the kingdom of God. And then the third thing he was doing was as he demonstrated the good news, he was healing people and delivering people. And he was showing that he had authority over the darkness and the powers of this world. It was confirming his message. News spread and people would bring their sick to Jesus. You know, I'm reminded of a time that I was on the mission field. One of the first times I was in a particular region in Africa. And I was rather new to missions. I was rather new to the supernatural, to be quite honest. And I was new to what global poverty looked like. And we were in a small fishing village. And in fact, I taught on this passage when I was there. But we were in a small fishing village where people literally gained their livelihood from the lake. And there was a young boy that was brought to us because we were doing that. We were teaching and preaching but we weren't doing the healing part. You know, I think sometimes we think that that was left behind in the Old Testament. And we're going to get into that more as we go throughout the Gospels. But I just want to make a quick note that Jesus still heals today. But we were preaching and teaching and a young boy comes to me and he said, I'd like you to pray for my friend. And You know, their expectation is that if you have raised money and you have flown across the world, then whatever you're there to say to them is a valid message and they need to hear it. 
And of course, there's believers there, but there are a lot of unbelievers as well. There's lots of different tribal religions. There's animism. There's Muslim cultures. There's all sorts of things that you come up against in those situations. But yet this young boy brings me his friend. And as his friend comes forward, we quickly learn that this young man is mute and he is deaf. And he's living in a boat that had been discarded by the fishermen. And yes, you heard me correctly. He was living in a boat that was discarded on the edge of the water. The reason for that was in their culture, in that tribe, and this is common in lots of places of the world, they believed that if there was some sort of special need, it was a curse. And to have that child in your home, it meant that your home would be cursed. And so for them, it would be better to dispel that child from the home than to bring the curse upon the rest of their family. And so this young man was living in this boat. He would eat some fish that he caught or any passersby that would have mercy on him, give him a couple peanuts or something. And so he was brought to us. And this young man said, can you pray for him to be healed? And if I'm perfectly honest, at that point in my life, I was one of those people that said, yeah, God can heal, but does he? You know, we don't really necessarily see a whole lot of that in churches in the United States. And so this young man is looking at me intently with this expectation that I'm going to pray for healing for this, his friend. And his friend is standing there. I don't even know if he can understand me, if he knows why he's there, because he's deaf and he's mute. But he's looking at me. They're both looking at me with this expectation. And a friend of mine was standing next to me and he had this little vial of anointing oil. And I said, well, I think I need your oil. And he said, okay. And honestly, neither one of us even knew what to do with it. I just had remembered in the Bible that there was something about anointing oil. And I thought, okay, Lord, I'm just going to be obedient to whatever I think it is that you're calling me to do. And so I took the oil and I dumped it all over my hands. And my friend said, you'd only need a drop. I'm like, well, I want extra anointing. And so as I had this oil all over my hands, the Holy Spirit said to me, put your hands on his ears. So I reached out and I put my hands on his ears and I started praying. Now, before this time, I was not one that even believed in the charismatic movement. I did not believe in praying in tongues or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I had never been exposed to it. But I will tell you what, in Africa, I received the gift of praying in tongues. And in that moment, as I started to pray in English, the Holy Spirit pulled out of me this message in tongues. And it was a direct link, I believe, between my spirit and God's spirit. And as he did that, I prayed for him, praying in tongues. And the Holy Spirit said to me, it's done. And it was seconds, not even, it took me longer to dump the oil onto my hands than it did to pray for this young man. And I thought, well, that was way too easy. And I opened my eyes. And when I opened my eyes, this young man was looking at me eyes wide and he turned around And what I didn't tell you before this was there was these giant birds, these cranes in this region of of Africa, and they stand very, very tall, but then they stand on top of each other. So they will stack themselves on top of each other and they're huge and they make a lot of noise. And as soon as I open my eyes, I see him looking at me. He turns around to stare at these birds because he hadn't heard them before and he had seen them, but he hadn't heard them. And so as we, I shockingly realized what was going on, a friend of mine, a pastor friend of mine came over and he said, let's say the name of Jesus. He said, try to say the name of Jesus. And this young man before me, he opened his mouth and he spoke for the first time. Now, it didn't sound like Jesus. It was really croaky because he had never used those muscles before. And he later went on to get some physical therapy and some speech therapy with, with a partner church that we have there. But what I saw very quickly is that the Holy Spirit still heals. And when I turned around, 
Now, remind, let me remind you, we were in a small fishing village. We had maybe seen a hundred people there that day. There was, you know, not a lot going on. But when I turned around, there was a line of people. The villagers had gone and gotten all of their blind, their deaf, their special needs, anything that anybody needed healing from. They came and they brought them to where we were at. And so our team of maybe about 20 people, I just looked at them. I said, okay, let's just start praying for healing. You know, every single person that was there that day got healed and it happened quickly. It was a move of God that I've never experienced anything like that since. And I've seen a lot of things, but I've never experienced a quick move of God of healing like that in such a way. And so the Holy Spirit wiped through that area. People got saved. They got healed. They got delivered. There was some demonic deliverance there. And then that evening, we had this evangelical outreach and they came in droves. People got saved and it was the healing that brought people to Jesus. And so my encouragement is, is not to skip over the healing part. I think so many times we read that as modern readers and we think, okay, well, that was Jesus. Well, let me remind you, and we talked about the Holy Spirit over the last couple of days, the same Holy Spirit that is in Jesus is the same Holy Spirit that's in you. Jesus tells us that, and we're going to study that in depth later in Matthew. But that same Holy Spirit, He is the same yesterday and today and tomorrow, and He still heals. I've seen it with my own eyes. So I want to encourage you, if you've not seen that in your life, to possibly think about ways that you can be open to that even. Perhaps it's joining us on the mission field and going on a trip with us. Perhaps it's doing a deeper dive, or perhaps it's going to a church that teaches on those things. But I want to encourage you not to discredit them because often that is how Jesus draws people to himself. Now, given that insight, I'm going to go back and we're going to read Matthew chapter four, starting again at verse 12. It says, now when Jesus heard that John had been taken into custody, he withdrew into Galilee and leaving Nazareth, he came and settled into Capernaum, which is by the sea in the region of Zebulon and Naphtali. This happened so that what was spoken through Isaiah, the prophet will be fulfilled. The land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali, by the way in the sea, on the other side of the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light, and those who were sitting in the land and shadow of death upon them a light dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of people. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately, they left their boat and their father and followed him. Jesus was going on about in all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every sickness among the people. And the news about him spread throughout Syria, and they brought to him all who were ill, those suffering with various diseases and severe pain, demon-possessed, people with epilepsy, and people who were paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. Father God, thank you so much for the way that your word reveals yourself, your character and your nature to us. God, we recognize and we know and we affirm that you do not change. The God of yesterday is the same as the God of today and is the same as the God of tomorrow. So God, forgive us for those moments when we have maybe thought, okay, you don't heal anymore. God, 
for whatever reason, that wasn't even the direction I was going to go with this podcast, but for whatever reason, my heart is so burdened to share with people that you are the healer. You still heal. Not only do you redeem and restore, but you heal. So Father God, I just ask right now for my friend that might be listening that needs healing in their lives, God, whether it's emotional healing or spiritual healing or physical healing, God, would you reach into that place, that brokenness, and would you restore it as only you can do as the healer? God, I pray that you would help us to become fishers of men, that we would be looking for the Messiah and we would recognize you in our lives. When you point people out and you say, go love that person, go tell somebody about me, God, will we... Would you help us to be obedient to that calling? God, I pray that as we continue to unpack your word, that you would continue to reveal yourself to my friends. It's in Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. Okay, friends, we'll talk tomorrow. Hey, friends, before you go, I want to make sure you know about our Patreon page. The Patreon page is really a place to gain all sorts of resources specifically for the Hearing Jesus podcast and the Hearing Jesus for Kids podcast. There's a specific and dedicated private Facebook group, which is a place for me to interact with you, to pray with you, to answer questions. I'd love it for you to join us there. And there's also another level that gives you the inside scoop on everything else that's going on. The journaling prompts are there. If you've been with us for some time, you know that I usually do journaling prompts that helps us get that information from the head to the heart. We have a downloadable daily prayer prompt that helps you get that information processed in a way that it affects your daily life. There's also a Bible reading tracker on there. There's bonus episodes, lots of things on an ongoing basis, a place where you can get all the resources to help you grow in your faith. And the second thing I want to mention to you is the Dawn app which if you've never heard of that before, I have good news for you. I just recently recorded a series for the Dawn app and also did some writing for them. And it's a daily Bible study and prayer app that is completely free. The link for that is in the show notes. And then the last thing I'm super excited about, I want to tell you that we're going to start having opportunities for travel. This is going to look a couple different ways, depending on what you're looking for, but it's going to cover things like mission trips in-person retreats, and also eventually a Bible study trip to Rome. What I'm doing right now is I'm getting everybody's contact information so we can start communicating about what that might look like. So if you are interested in any of that, you can head to shehears.org for more information. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you will find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Hey friends, if this podcast helps encourage, empower, or equip you in your walk with God, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, bonus content, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you. Know that you are so loved. Keep going. Keep going.